all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I'm professor of pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we're talking about a tough topic, domestic violence, and and the fact that it's on the rise. Shelter in place and safer at home orders to protect us during the COVID-19 pandemic may be safer for most, but not for all. Domestic violence is unfortunately increasing. Job loss, social isolation, being trapped at home with someone perhaps with an aggressive, angry personality have created really the perfect storm for the increase. Today we're going to talk with an expert about what you can do when you or someone you care about need help. The United Nations called for urgent action to combat the worldwide surge in domestic violence on April the 5th of this year. So that was over a month ago, and I believe everyone around the world really, and and certainly in the United States, are finding that there is an increase in domestic violence in child abuse. The pandemic, with the increasing stressors that have gone along with all of this, um, has has just made it so difficult. And then being essentially trapped in your home with that person who was already aggressive or had a history of violence or perhaps substance abuse, then throw in job loss, money issues, lack of physical outlets for those who are working under stress. You know, um, some people call it intimate terrorism, a term um, that some experts have, have used instead of domestic violence. But whatever we call it, it's a big problem. And it's allowed, it's, the pandemic has, has really contributed to the increase. You know, in addition to the physical violence not present in every abusive relationship, um, other tools of abuse um, include things like isolation from friends, family, and employment. And, and the isolation that could occur during this pandemic might be not allowing one to get on a WebEx or a Zoom or to Skype with their family or whatever. Um, Someone who's constantly surveilling what's going on, Um, very detailed rules about behavior, restrictions to access, restrictions even maybe to food um, or other issues that you may need. Now, some of you listening may find it hard to believe that this can really happen, but it does, I assure you. 
that home isolation, um, of course, has been important during the pandemic. But one of the big issues is that the home isolation for someone who's experiencing abusive behavior from a spouse or a significant other or a parent um, uh, is now further isolated. So now safe at home is not safe. Now the abuser has a better opportunity. And I want to bring something else uh, before we bring in our expert. Maybe you've never experienced more than occasional teasing that felt bad from that significant other. But now that you are quote, safer at home, the behaviors from that significant other that you're living with and sheltering in with has changed. They're more angry, more irritable with you than before. Your relationship seems to be going downhill, more angry words, more fights, more impatience, less love. Um, Is that happening to you? Um, you don't really feel in danger, like you're going to be physically injured, but you feel miserable. What can you do? So um, I really want to hear from you about all of this. And um, you can call our line at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I really want us to talk about this topic today, and I want you to call in if you are feeling any of these difficulties, because we have an expert. I'm delighted to have Julie, Dr. Julie Schumacher. She's a psychologist, professor, and vice chair of education at the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and she's graciously agreed to join us today, help us navigate through this this difficult time. So good morning, Dr. Schumacher. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Dr. Buttress. Thanks for having me. So this is a tough topic, but as we move through, are you finding increasing problems? Have you heard more calls or even situations where maybe someone hadn't ever experienced it before and now it's happening? I have not um, personally been on the receiving end of those calls. Um, I'm not working in a, a shelter environment or hotline environment like that now, um, but but all of right. the the data that we have available do suggest that it's it's increasing, um, and often there's a lag um, that that when a shelter in place is put um, shelter in place order is put in place, um, there might be a period of mm, a week to ten days before the calls and the needs for help start start increasing. So talk to us a little bit why there is that lag. What do you think is the reason for um, the lag time? I know that the Academy of uh, American Academy of Pediatrics um, and ACAP, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, have both been um, sounding the horn about increased domestic violence and possible child abuse. But but maybe there is a lag. Talk to us about that a little bit. Well, one 
of the things we don't know for sure is if there is a lag between when the, the escalation in violence is happening or initiation of violence, as you mentioned, that's also possible, um, or other abusive behaviors, or whether there's just a, a lag in calling as people are trying to, to settle into the situation and figure out what's going on. Um, there may be some uncertainty about what resources are available um, while a, a shelter-in-place order is in place. Um, so it's not clear for sure whether um, it takes a while for the, the stress and tension of being in close quarters for extended period of time um, to um, facilitate the increases in violence or whether it's going on and there's just, just a lag in when people are reaching out. So, um, do you think that it's possible for someone who has never displayed violent tendencies, never been aggressive or mean, to someone to suddenly become mean in a situation like this? And could you talk to us a little bit about um, if you do think that can happen, which I think you and I both know it can, why why might it? Why why might there be um, behaviors that that you've not seen before in a situation like this? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially for extreme violence, I think it's unusual for it to come out of nowhere. Where this is someone who hasn't um, at least been verbally or emotionally aggressive before, for that to suddenly come out. Um, mm. But just the, the reports I'm hearing is, is this is just a really unique stressor. And a lot of the, the mm-hmm. research we've done on um, not looking at intimate terrorism, but where we're looking at something that's sometimes called situational violence. And so these are couples where um, it's not the extreme forms of violence that um, uh, are occurring all the time in one way or another, where there's a clear attempt to have control over the other partner. Um, but where we're just looking at couples where um, the fights sometimes escalate um, to include verbal or physical abuse, that we know can be influenced by a lot of things. Um, best I can read, and I'm trying to remember when it was, the term hangry actually came about from some domestic violence research looking at um, increases in, in um, couple violence when people are hungry. Um, we know that um, alcohol use, um, can increase it. Um, we know that um, uh, disturbance in sleep, any kind of stress on the system that, that makes someone's emotions harder to regulate can make those types of violence more likely. Um, that intimate terrorism you were talking about mm, is probably influenced by that, um, but not to the, the same extent. So that usually you would see some evidence of that even before um, a stressor like shelter in place um, hit a family. Right. So, so maybe some some negative behaviors jump out: um, moodiness, irritability, um, less tolerant of maybe those habits that you had that that he thought was cute before, but now they're not so cute. Um, but but you wouldn't expect out of the blue um, the true abusive behavior to present is what you're saying. So um, I know 
why don't we go ahead, we'll take our first break, but when we come back, I want us to talk a little bit more about um, what someone can do when they're experiencing maybe that angry, irritable, hangry behaviors <laughs> that that perhaps um, people are having now that they never had before now that they're having to shelter in place and and i'd like to hear from our listeners are you experiencing that are you finding yourself um less tolerant and more irritable or has it brought you closer together i'd be curious to hear either way as to whether or not that's happening and then i also want us to talk Um, certainly more about that person who has experienced domestic violence before but now um, trapped at home with the abuser. Do you have a friend who you are worried about? Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We're talking about the increasing Um, the increasing incidence of domestic violence during the pandemic of COVID-19. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Well, welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today I'm here with Dr. Julie Schumacher, psychologist who is at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Um, We are talking about domestic violence, the fact that it has been on the rise since we've had the sheltering in place, safer at home issues where um, there are increased stressors and, and the individual who perhaps has had an escape, has had a safety net of perhaps extended friends and family to watch after them, um, that that net feels gone. And um, so what can you do? And the other thing we're talking about today is just the change in relationship with your significant other or your uh, your small group that you're sheltering with. Have you seen a change? It may be for the positive. I'd love to hear the positive. But if it's um, also in the negative range about less kind behavior, um, irritable behavior, less tolerant of of you, or perhaps less tolerant of the children. Um, as I mentioned before the break, there has been some concern about the increasing um, child abuse potential due to the added stressor that is going on. Um, parents who are um, not only dealing with the loss of a job, but also now dealing um, with 
having to be the the teacher, um, the cook, the cleaner, the nurturer, the caretaker, um, and so um, in increasing stress causes increasing mood issues, anxiety, and perhaps depression. And and many times individuals when when they are in a situation and they're stressed and depressed, sometimes they're angry outbursts. So we want to talk about that um, and talk about how to take care of that, what we can do to help, and how you can help someone if you feel like they need help. Give us a call if you have a question or a thought or a problem at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Schumacher, talk to us a little bit more about maybe not not the person who finds themselves afraid in an abusive situation, but finds himself now at home with somebody who's just way more irritable and, and things don't feel happy. Um, do you have some suggestions of perhaps what they may need to look for a little more and then what they could that person could do to help the situation? Mm-hmm. So one of the, the most important, Important things is um, in those situations. I think each of us need to to look out for ourselves. Um, obviously, it's, it's important to be aware if, if your partner is um, saying more hurtful things or losing patience um, with you. It's important to take care of yourself because those things can be really hurtful when they come from a loved one. Um, and so, seeking out support from others. Um, uh, trying to um, do things that help take care of you, whether that's going for walks, meditation, a lot of those things are harder. Um, but recognizing that, that in addition to the, the general stress of the situation, um, having a relationship partner or someone you're living with who's um, uh, more prone to saying hurtful things or being irritable adds more stress, and, and we need to take care of ourselves so that um, that, that doesn't impact us. Um, also in terms of like looking at our, ourselves, making sure that, that we're not becoming the irritable one, or maybe some of the listeners are the <laughs> irritable one. I know from time to time I have been, um, but one of the things we can look for is how we're thinking about situations. And, and often if we're getting more irritable, um, we start to perceive negative intentions and in the actions of others. Um, so, um, the dishes in the sink don't bother us just because there's clutter, the kitchen is dirty, they bother us because we're having thoughts that, um, you know, she left them there on purpose or he doesn't care um, whether the kitchen is clean. So we, we're not just noticing um, that things are different. We, we believe there are negative intentions from another person about that. And so it's really important to, to notice that kind of, of thinking and, and challenge it um, when that happens. I think that's a really, really good point um, for us all to remember because I do, I do think many times many of us are guilty of of putting intent on a behavior that's not not real, like you said, um, to 
to make it more than it is instead of that someone left the dish in the sink with the full intention to put it in the dishwasher but then got distracted and did something else instead that wasn't directed at you um but but i think i bet many of our listeners out there sometimes fall into that that trap that's so so what if um i it's something that i i um over the years have learned is a good way to approach things when somebody has said something maybe hurtful or negative um, that that you feel like that was an impulsive thing that came out of the mouth because maybe they're on edge to say um, let's start over or let's do a do-over or let's take a breath or a need to step away something to kind of stop Stop any kind of escalation. Do you have some thoughts about what your favorite maybe phrase is for someone to say when they're trying to de-escalate something? If you know that this is getting ready to spiral downward. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a that is a terrific point. We definitely recommend um, that people use some sort of timeout, do-over something to disrupt it. And it's really important that, you know, once you disrupt it, you don't just ruminate about how angry you are. You actually are trying to to calm down before you come back to it. Um, But when we notice things like that, in in general with communication, and this almost sounds cliche coming from a psychologist because we say this so much, we definitely (laughs) recommend using I statements, right? So instead of saying, you know, you're being a jerk, like (laughs) you need to take a time out, Um, saying, you know, I'm, um, um, my feelings are getting hurt. You know, I feel like I need a little um, space before we keep talking about this. Um, so, you know, obviously the actions of another person are playing a role in the emotions we're having. Um, but usually if we assign blame for our experience to another person, the tendency is to respond defensively, um, and that that can be a lot of what leads to escalation is there's sort of blame being thrown back and forth. Um, And so if if we notice that we're um, feeling upset um, as our partner is um, saying something to us or as we're observing something they've done, um, really um, focusing on that that I language um, can make a big difference Um, in terms of the discussion being productive rather than um, just causing um, defensiveness. I like that. So instead of saying you're being mean or um, you didn't say that kindly, you can say, I like that. My feelings are getting hurt. I probably need to step back before I answer that question or respond. Um, I, you know, I I think... timeouts can be the most valuable thing ever um, for adults uh, just to say I need a time out I need to walk away and I think it interrupts things let pe- let's others take a good deep breath to refocus and sometimes to think like you said not to ruminate but go wait I was getting mad about something so silly that was ridiculous I'm going to regroup. It hasn't, there's no way this is going to hurt anybody. So to step away, I I think sometimes um, 
especially an individual who who is perhaps that type A or competitive person and used to winning or loves to win and have the upper hand, that might be hard for them sometime. Do you do you have any technique? You know, that is a great point. Um I think it's a little bit hard for everyone, um, but you're right. Um, someone who's competitive, um, it can feel like losing uh, to um, not engage and to, to step back instead of fully engaging. Um, one of the things, I don't know that I have a recommendation specifically for, for someone like that, um, except to, to think about, um, you know, sort of what their um, bigger goal is, that their bigger goal is to maintain a relationship, a healthy relationship with this person, and, and that um, continuing the argument doesn't meet that goal. But that's really hard when we have strong emotions happening. Um, the part of our brain that allows us to do that kind of thinking about big goals doesn't work as well <laughs> when there's um, really strong emotion. Um, so especially um, in a situation like now where maybe this is going on more often, um, one of the things I encourage people to do um, is to recognize that all of our emotions um, have what we call action urges associated with them. So when we're angry, we usually want to get back at someone or cause harm to them. That's the urge that anger or irritability or frustration will bring up. Um, and so we encourage people um, to try to act opposite to that urge, to try to do something that's exactly opposite. And so, um, you know, potentially actually trying to say something kind um, when we're feeling really angry. Um, so I like that idea where, where you were talking about, you know, you kind of step away and instead of ruminating what should you do, um, potentially the exact opposite of anger, um, which would be, um, you know, thinking about something positive about your your partner or whoever it is you're living with that um, uh, you're having the conflict with. Right. All great suggestions. Um, I'm talking with Dr. Julie Schumacher, psychologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We're talking about ways to deal with um, the difficulties that many of us are experiencing with our relationships as we are safer at home, sheltering in place, and also talking about domestic violence on the increase. And part of the problem is being trapped um, at home with um, the isolation um, with uh, an already someone who is abusing. So join in the conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Um, we are going to take our next break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about what to do. But we do want to hear from you. Give us a call. This is Rel Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. 
You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I'm here with Dr. Julie Schumacher, and we're talking about the the rise in domestic violence. But before we go any further, Dr. Schumacher, I, I realize that we're throwing this term around of domestic violence, but let's talk a little bit about what that is. How do you define domestic violence and and when when does perhaps uh, an angry word or a, a push become something more um, if you will for us please yes I think that is a great question um, the term domestic violence is is used pretty broadly to refer to um, various forms of violence that occur between um, current or former romantic partners. Um, They could be same-sex couple, opposite-sex couple. It could be a dating couple. It could be a married couple. Um, It could be a divorced um, couple. Um, It it really um, applies to a lot of um, uh, different relationship configurations. Um, And as you were mentioning at the beginning, it can include... um, physical violence, um, but also um, isolation um, can be really common, financial abuse, controlling access to financial resources, um, a lot of um, emotional or verbal abuse, um, threats, um, uh, uh, demeaning comments, things like that. Um, But it's important, like we, we use the term domestic violence to refer to any of those behaviors that that ever occur, right? And but but really, there are a there do seem to be some different um, variations in domestic violence. And you mentioned the term at the mm-hmm. opening of the show, intimate terrorism. And I think mostly when we're talking about right. domestic violence, um, and when we're talking about the um, increases going on now that are causing um, more, especially um, women. Uh, to call um, shelters and hotlines um, and to become seriously injured and potentially even murdered by a partner, um, that's a very extreme form of violence, the um, intimate um, terrorism. And um, it involves a pervasive pattern of of control of one partner over the other. Um, In an opposite-sex couple, it's typically the male partner, Um, although, interestingly, the term used to be patriarchal terrorism but was refined to intimate terrorism because there there have been some um, uh, opposite-sex couples identified where it's actually the female partner um, who is using those extreme forms of violence. Um, Much less frequent, um, very difficult situation to handle, though, because there really are not a lot of resources for men who are involved in those kinds of relationships, um, whether uh, with a same-sex partner or an opposite-sex partner. Um, but to, so that's the extreme end, and that's where we're really concerned, um, where there may, um, not maybe, um, we're seeing increases in serious injury and death um, uh, as um, people are being um, uh, kind of trapped in close quarters with abusive partners. 
Um, and then that's differentiated um, from uh, what we would call situational violence. And this is um, uh, essentially more on a continuum with just conflict um, that any couple might have, um, uh, but where it starts to, to escalate um, to include things like name calling um, or occasionally um, more minor forms of violence, like a, a push um, or, or a shove or something like that, um, but none of the extreme um, violence that we would usually see with intimate terrorism, and definitely not in a pattern um, that'll happen here and there, um, but it's, it's not an overall pattern where one person is clearly controlling um, the, other, the other person with these abusive behaviors. That's all very helpful, I think. Um, so I believe, Michelle, you had a question that you wanted to ask Dr. Schumacher, right? Hi, good morning, Dr. Schumacher. Good morning, Dr. Butchers. This is Michelle here in the studio. Um, I've, I was listening to what you were saying, and like you said, situational, meaning maybe throughout the pandemic, you before the pandemic, there weren't. Um, you weren't live. You were living together, but you would have girls' night, or your husband or your boyfriend would go out with the fellas, and you mm -hmm. had an outlet. Mm -hmm. So within the pandemic, there's no outlet. There's Zoom uh, get-togethers with your friends, but you're not out the house. Either you work at home, like Dr. Butcher said on another show, you guys are sharing a workspace, and everything he or she does is heightened. It's getting on your nerves. The hitting of the pen or the pencil, not washing the dishes, not putting the toilet seat down. Any of those things can escalate a relationship and, and push the boundaries and test your love. But when do you say this is not normal? When do you go to the point where this is abuse? Um, everyone or, has or issues. Or we may need help. Right, right. Everyone right. has issues yeah. because this pandemic may um, bring up some issues that were underlining before uh, that, again, we nef really didn't talk about because we weren't together all of the time. But now we're together and we're, we're seeing issues. The issues are right in our faces. Um, how do you, what would you say to couples that are dealing with that right now? What can they do um, in the midst of the pandemic? Um thing like um, how um, you know one thing to be aware is if you ever become afraid of your partner it's really important to listen to that emotion um, and that may be the point at which um, you reach out um, to a domestic violence hotline or start getting some resources like that it's very important to take that very seriously um, or if you find that you're your self-esteem is really being harmed by the partner, that you're really starting to, to feel not good about yourself um, because of the comments that are, that are being made. Um, so I think um, in terms of, like, determining, you know, are we crossing a line where this is, this is getting dangerous and I, as, as one person, may need help, um, those would be um, the things to look for. Um, as far as a couple, and it really depends, um, you know, if, if both members of the couple see it the same way. Um, but just be, um, if you're um, noticing that that you and your partner are not acting um, like yourselves, that, that this seems to be increasing, you seem to be treating each other more poorly, um, 
I think it's really important to um, for both members of the couple, ideally, to just acknowledge that the stress is having an impact on them. They are starting to crack under the the pressure of the stress, um, and to really focus on ways to um, increase self-care, um, also to the extent they can, and this is one of the things that's hard right now, to address the actual stressors. Um, you know, so if there's financial concerns, um, uh, but you've been putting off, um, you know, researching um, and trying to get access to um, various forms of aid that might be available to you, um, maybe going ahead and making yourself do that to try to address that stressor. Um, so it, it, it really They're depends wonderful on... Wonderful recommendations um, right there. I just wanted to to reiterate something you're, you're saying, um, how important it is for couples to acknowledge, you know, we're we're behaving badly. Um, this is not a good thing. We need to sit down, regroup, talk about how we can fix it. Um, and 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 of course, that that acknowledgement can't come in in the midst of an argument. It needs to be after you've stepped back, taken a breath, and then whoever is the person to say, we're behaving badly, let's regroup. I just think that's such an important thing to remember as as individuals, whether it's COVID-19 or any other stressor, um, when something like that comes up, to make yourself step back and regroup and talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to remind everybody we've got this great expert with us. Give us a call if you have a question at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. We're talking specifically about domestic violence, but, but also just about the difficulties in relationships that, that others are having as we are sheltering in place. Um, Dr. Schumacher, I, I wanted to um, get you to, to talk about another topic that I know some individuals out there are probably in. Um, if, if you heard about someone who is perhaps in a relationship, an abusive relationship, where um, you're concerned about them, yet you can't be around them. Is there something, are there some things that they can do without um, going to the home and knocking on the door um, that you think might be helpful to the individual? Well, Dr. Butchers, I apologize, Dr. Schumer. We lost the first part of that question, Dr. Butchers. Can you re-ask that one more time? Oh, goodness. I'm not sure why we're having trouble. Sorry about that. Um, my question was, um, if you have an individual that you care about, um, that you you feel might be in an abusive relationship, or you know they had been, um, but things were being managed fairly well because there were all these outside supports, but now they're trapped at home with that um, potential abuser. Do you have any recommendations for um, our listening audience um, about what they might could do to help that out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, an important thing is to 
reach out. I mean, you mentioned, you know, maybe not going and, and knocking on the door. Um, but if you're really concerned, um, you know, potentially doing that, but just um, trying to reach out with a, a call or a text or an email, keeping in mind it depends on the particular situation and severely abusive situations. There's often a lot of jealousy. Um, and so text and email may be monitored. Um, and so um, in that case, you may want to um, call. Um, you might want to be careful like what phone you're calling from, like make sure you call from your own phone and not use um, a phone that might come up with um, a, a caller ID that would be suspicious to a jealous partner. Um, but I think just reaching out, reminding people that you're there, um, often um, individuals who are being abused um, either feel some embarrassment about it or doubt that others will really be um, supportive of them. So they may or may not be forthcoming about what's actually happening. Um, so potentially not addressing it directly, um, just reminding that person that, that you're, you're there um, and, you know, if um, uh, they ever want to come out over and visit, that you guys could, you know, stay six feet apart on the patio or something like that. Um, that can be um, just really important. Um, and in general, if, if someone is in a severely abusive relationship and they're concerned, one of the things I always like to say um, is, is don't think about, you know, why does she stay? Um, I think it's a lot more important to remind yourself, like, why it can be hard to leave. Um, and it's sometimes mm -hmm. um, very hard to understand. Um, I know um, it's it's been many years now, but back when I um, uh, was volunteering for um, a domestic violence hotline, um, one of the things we were all trained to do is, is just manage and basically not have frustration about, um, you know, women who um, we'd help to leave an abusive partner who would then go back to that partner and need help again. Um, it's very complicated. And, and even if you've left an abusive relationship, um, it's hard to understand all the dynamics going on for someone who's in that kind of relationship right now that might be different than what you experienced that make it not so easy um, to leave. Um, and so just being there and being patient. All great points. You know, uh, when we, we're going to take our final break, and when we come back, I do want to say a word or two about um, one of the most powerful talks that I ever heard was a woman who had been in a domestic violence situation, and, and she explained how, how she got trapped in it and how it was hard to leave. I'd love to hear from a caller who perhaps was in a situation and, and was able to get out. Um, give us a call. We still have time. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Julie Schumacher. We are talking about domestic violence. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. And thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Julie Schumacher. We're talking about domestic violence. I know this is a very difficult topic and it's hard to call in. So please feel free to send an email if you have a question or a comment that um, you want to share at family at mpbonline.org. Um, you know, it's one of those things, like I, I mentioned before the break, that um, as Dr. Schumacher was talking about what it is and, and, and how we can help to be careful about spending a lot of time being critical to individuals who perhaps have stayed in relationships and you go, how in the world could she be trapped in that? And, and you know, I, I will say that I've been watching a Netflix series called Dead to Me, that with Christina Applegate, and it, um, it's been, you know, it's one of those sort of dark comedies, and, and it's been very interesting watching it, because both women who are the stars in it were in abusive situations, at least emotionally abusive situations, and both of them as the show moves on, talk about the hit to their self-esteem and how how terrible it is. But both of them stayed in the situation. So it's, it's not uncommon. It's one of those things that you kind of move into. I remember a woman from who was at the time um, volunteering or working with Catholic Charities talking about um, – why she stayed in the abusive situation. And it kind of went like this, and I'll go through it quickly. Um, She said um, they dated. He was handsome. He had money. He was just the perfect gentleman. He bought bought her lovely gifts and took her to lovely places. Um, And so she got hooked. Um, They became... Um, partner, she moved in with him, and then all of a sudden, um, when they'd be together at night, he'd um, call her names, become irritable. Um, one time when they got in an argument, he slapped her, and then he apologized profusely and, and was terribly sorry. But then it just kept building. Um, Every time he hit or pushed or put his hands around her neck, um, he apologized. He bought her gifts. He cried because he was remorseful, he promised. Um, And she had given up the place she lived in, um, given up her job because he told her he didn't want her to work anymore. And and it went like that. So, So she literally was trapped. Plus, she truly did have some feelings for him. And every time something negative happened, he apologized. And Dr. Schumacher, I don't think that's a terribly unusual pattern, is it? You've described it exactly. It's something that's been termed the the cycle of violence, where there's an episode of violence, and then what we would call the honeymoon or presence and promises phase. Um, you know, I'll never do it again. I'm so sorry. Um, big gifts. 
Um, and then um, usually what we would call the, the walking on eggshells phase where the, the tension then starts to build again and there's another explosion. Um, and it's, it's very confusing um, because the, um, you know, one of the, and it's tricky, it's definitely not love, it's about control, um, but the, the abuser often really in some, I don't even know how to say it, but in a weird way, like does really value this Parker, I'm going to interrupt you just yeah. for a minute because we just have a couple of minutes and we have Georgia from Jackson who has called in. Georgia, um, I, I'm glad you called and we want to hear from you. So go ahead and jump in with your comment or question. Thank you so much. I'm a vulnerable adult. I'm a senior citizen. I'm single. I live in an impoverished community, but but I am a law-abiding citizen. I, I've experienced and still, unfortunately, still experiencing outward abuse and subtle abuse from male neighbors. Isn't there a law, that, this is my question, isn't there a law that protects vulnerable citizens in Mississippi? Our daily lives are sadly disrupted by the behavior of certain be, uh, certain people, and these men are also very violent against their spouses. Well, certainly there, there are laws against um, aggressive behaviors to others, depending on what it is. And, and Georgia, I would, first of all, I would call um, the police and talk to them about um, if there's something, someone outside your home who is coming into your home or into your neighborhood and causing distress, um, I, I hear what you're you're saying. I'm not, Dr. Schumacher or Michelle, either comments. I'm not aware of a law in particular. I know that that vulnerable adults generally do have extra protections. Um, it would. I do think it's a great idea to, to talk to the police um, because it depends right. on exactly what has transpired, like what laws might apply and what protections might be available. Yeah, I think that's um, different than what we're talking about where the domestic violence is, is within the home with someone you are close to. Um, the the violence outside the home, whether it's making you feel vulnerable or whatever, is something that, yeah, I would definitely talk to the, the law officer about, whether that's the sheriff, in, if you're in the county or what. Dr. Schumacher has some um, specific hotlines. Um, I want to take everybody to the podcast um, we'll add that to it also to the website we'll have the hotline about the domestic violence I appreciate you for being on with us and th thank you um, so much listeners please know that if you have a problem go to the hotlines that we'll supply um, on our website <laughs> 